Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we spend time looking at an ongoing series or a graphic novel from a company other than the big two. The hope here is that we can do a deep dive into an indie comic you may have missed or give you a chance to talk about one of your favorites with us on social media afterward. I'm your host, Tony Farina of DC Comics News, and I've been reading comics since I was 12, and I love a good superhero battle. I kind of gravitate towards indie comics and standalone graphic novels because they give artists a chance to connect with readers in different ways and tell stories that they may have not been able to tell with traditional comics or with traditional novels. Well, my guest this week, in a long time coming, we've been trying to do this for a long time, is El Stevo, the man himself. Stephen Ray, Steve, it is about damn time, sir. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Tony, because I listen to the show every week, and I love it when we can look at something that isn't what everybody already reads to give the people the option to read something new and something fresh and different. Yes, and this week, oh, Man, so this week was all your choice, and so we'll get into that. But before we get into that, I think because you are, um, I believe you are like you call yourself Geekopedia. Um, oh, I never called myself that. People call me people that. should call you that. All right, well, let's <laughs> Geekopedia um, let, and Nerd Yoda are the ones. That that's <laughs> well, tell everybody a little bit about you and your comics background. Like, like oh. I said, I was reading when I was twelve. My first comic mm. was a Green Lantern. Tell everybody about your little comic. What is your comic quest and how you've come to be the Geekopedia? I was that child who lived in his bedroom. Um, uh, only child. Both parents had to work long hours. And, and today, probably what, what happened to me wouldn't probably be allowed. I was left alone from about the age of six or seven and for a good few hours every day. But I don't um, hate that. It taught me a lot. I was reading novels from the age of six and seven. But comics have been a part of my life as long as I can remember. From And we've you've talked about this with other guests in recent shows. From the cheesy comedy books like Beano, Dandy, Core and, and things like that. To, we had comics in the UK in the 70s, which collected like a cowboy story, a horror story. And they'd also like reprint a Spider-Man story. And a Batman story. So for me in the UK, Marvel and DC weren't a separate entity until the advent of Marvel UK's division in, in the late 70s. So I would read The Adventures of Batman and Spider-Man in one comic. And I love them both. That's probably why they're probably still my two favorite superheroes, because they're the ones I was shown to first. And obviously watching Adam West's show was a gateway drug into Batman more. But I can tell you the comic that changed my life. And it was an issue of Detective Comics, which I still own. I have family in Canada in the States and they came over to visit one year and they brought some American comics with them. So this is the first time I'd seen those smaller American books that were in color, uh, <laughs> which blew my mind. It was incredible because all the UK stuff was black and white, like 2008, like you mentioned last week. And um, one of those issues was the introduction of Leslie Tompkins. Oh. And it was the first time I'd actually seen batman's origin and seen him as a figure of the night so i'd gone from dick sprang sheldon moldoff um jerry robinson's camp batman of the 50s and 60s and adam west and then suddenly i was presented with this and i knew why he dressed as a bat i knew why he fought crime and he was there to terrify villains and once every year he'd go to this alley where the unthinkable happened to protect the people of the street it wasn't just about saving the world from giant robots and monsters and alien invasions he protected the little guy from that moment on i was hooked um and that's it and that was seven or eight when that book came out and i still have it and i worship it and every collection they do best of batman 
that has that story in, I'll pick up. Um, fast forward to the 80s and 90s image and the advent of the independent comic. I was this close to quitting comics forever because I was just getting married. We were having our first child and I thought, I, I can't carry on with this. And then Vertigo happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Then Vertigo happened and Watchmen and Sandman, I uh, got dragged back in and Dark Knight and Year One. So while I did stop many titles, I am quite proud um, in, to say that my collection of Detective Comics and Batman is uninterrupted back to 1986. Wow. Um, but I do have older, but completely uninterrupted from 86 to now. That's amazing. Wow. I, that makes me sad. so. When I was in college, my senior year, in order to help pay my bills, I actually sold my comics. Mm-hmm. And and I uh, sold too many. Yeah, I sold a bunch, but it paid all my. I had um exactly. I, yeah, I had a ton, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. But that's amazing. That's so cool. Well, and and so now here you are, and just a belated happy birthday to you. While this won't Thank come out you, for sir. a few weeks, everybody should know it was just Steve's birthday the other day from when we're recording this, and uh, today is actually. My daughter's birthday, my youngest. Oh, happy birthday, little Serena. Today, yes, she she turns 20. So, uh, yeah, we have no more kids who are teenagers. So I feel you because my yeah, son's yeah. 25 this year. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yet here we are, two adult men, talking about books that were originally aimed at children. So good for us. But this one, <laughs> our, book, our book today, it's not for children. So, yes, so you were actually turned me on to this. Um, I had not heard of I had not heard of it. Yes, and I, I can't thank you enough. And, and we'll get to this at the end, obviously, um, you know, because this show, for people who've been listening, and if you're just tuning in on the Comics in Motion uh, feed, this show's not we're not re- we're not reviewing. We don't give scores at the end. We we just we're talking about why this why this book is exciting. If there's some flaws, we'll talk about it. But really, this is about why why this story can only be told in this format of comics. And, and this story in particular um, is that. So, so the, sto- the book we're going to do this week is Vault Comics Wasted Space. Now, this is the first, first Vault comic we've done. And Steve has graciously agreed to, to do uh, this comic over chunks. So, so the way that this comic was originally done, Wasted Space, was it was supposed to be five issues, but it did so well because the first one sold out. They decided to continue on and do five-issue story arcs. So we're going to do that first story arc, which was originally intended to be that's all there was going to be for Wasted Space. So um, a little bit about Vault Comics. It's actually not that old. Uh, it, it was founded in 2016 by the Wessel family. Um, and what they say is they're a private family-owned uh, company. Company, which I think is, you know, it's a cool thing. So you can tell there's a lot of love going on there. Um, you know, and the, the cool thing about Vault is that, um, you know, they develop, here's their line from, from their website. It says, they actively develop its growing library of original intellectual property across multiple flat platforms, including film, television, games, digital media, and consumer products. Cultivating a global network of best-in-class partners resulted in Vault's launch, garnering the most critical claim and immediate commercial success, which is very true. And so what the comic is, is they do science fiction and fantasy comics. Um, about imagining and experiencing the, the, the new, the bizarre, the unimagined. In a realm of science fiction and fantasy, creators can break established order, dissolve con- uh, conceptions of social identity, and give voices to the silence. They ask hard questions, but this book surely does, um, if they are brave, venture bold answers. And then they're, they, I love their tagline, which is inside the vault, it's safe to be different. That is yes, just delightful. I love that. What, what an amazing company. So, um, Normally, I would ramble on about the back the the stuff about the book, but because you pick this, I'm going to kind of leave it to you. I'm just going to tell everybody that. So this book itself, too, it, it first appeared um, 
Wasted Space first appeared April 18th, 2018. Um, the line from... Wow. from yeah. It was two years ago. It was Blimey. two years ago, almost yeah. two years ago. Yeah, we're, when this comes out, it'll almost be the second year anniversary of of the first issue of Vault. Um, and uh, they call it Wasted Space is a space opera, essentially, where they say th- taking th- P- Philip K. Dick's ideas, putting it in a blender with Preacher, and then taking a sip. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about um, just the background of Wasted Space, um, since you are the it was your it was your baby, so I don't want to take too much more away. Oh no! What you've said is is beautiful. Absolutely, it's oh how can I describe this book? It is sci-fi, but it's drawn and coloured more like a western. But it's also a psychological, semi-religious, political thriller. Um, do not let that put you off, because honestly, <laughs> That's amazing. That's that is just like that. yeah. Um, how can you? It's yeah, preacher and. Um, there's a bit of a firefly There's in there a, the, as well. The There's the is very firefly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much good stuff in there, but it's the characters, it's the dialogue, it's Michael Morisi, the writer. I, I love this guy. Um, listen, whatever is on his mind, I, I want to tap it like they do in Harry Potter and pull his thoughts out and put them into li- the little sink and, and fall into that because. His wordplay and the fact he uses like alien races and uh, planets to give little nods of the head to writers and people who've influenced him, like Garth Ennis and stuff like that. It's little clever things that only when you reread the issues, and I read all five issues again because I, I picked up the originals and, and, and the books as well. And this series has done a lot for me as a writer because it helped, honestly put my website fantastic universes on the map as more than just me uh reprinting stuff i've written for dc comics news dc world dark Knight news for a uk audience it let me diversify into independent stuff and wrestling and music and create my own site and this is the first indie comic that i was passed on to by michael marisi after i'd interviewed him for dark Knight news after he'd done a couple of issues of nightwing and detective comics and he's a lovely guy Huge Star Wars fan, so again, that's already an immediate connection. Yeah, and the boy can write. The boy, boy, can he? Can wow. Write. Yeah, the 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 setup here um, is essentially that. You know, I think I think that, that all of the adjectives that you used, I, I don't think that should be a turn. I mean, this book is clearly not for children. Let's make sure we let oh, everybody no. know uh, this is in a this is for adults, and it's for thinking adults too. But mm-hmm. it's also for adults who are um, who who maybe have some ideas about the about the world or about religion maybe they question a few things i think this this book um should really and and not just like um you know politics local politics or politics in your own country but there's like a lot of global things because this is a this is a space opera so there's a universe out there a very fire it's a dirty firefly universe for sure more Mm -hmm. than it is um more than it is a star trek universe right it's dirty it's originals, the OG original, you know, Tatooine and most Eisley dirty. Yeah. It's an ugly place. I um, mean, that's okay. And you'd expect it to be, you know, this, that's kind of what you, you don't expect the universe to be a nice, shiny um, mm-hmm. city on a hill, as it were. Um, so our main characters in this are Billy Bane. Love the name. First mm-hmm. of all, um, all Very the names cool. are fantastic. And then he has a fuck bot spelled f-u-q by the way for for those people out there in case you're like really come on you thought you just said he was a great writer it's super clever the way that he does it called dust um 
he's amazing. I love him as kind of My his. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's it's an amazing thing because he's not um, he's not a robot in the you know C three PO sense. No, he's yeah. more um, blue skinned replicant. But the, the clever thing is, he's not just a fuckbot. He's a fuckbot who's also a killbot, and that's right. also spelled very creatively. So it's funny that he um, embodies the extremes of existence, really, uh, making love and killing people. So yeah. I just yeah. think that's just genius. That in and of itself is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. We'll, we'll break down every character. And then the third, oh, yeah. main, char- the third main character is Molly oh, Sue, who's really, she's really a Mary Sue. Um, yeah, which and I thought that was and, and we'll get into some of the Mary Sue stuff about her the, the um, I, I got I think it's in the f- fifth or sixth issue where they're escaping and there's no words and it's just little tiny panels um, of the craziest like a team kind of nonsense bullshit that wouldn't have happened like in my mind none of that happens unless Molly's there because she is like yeah. domino. Um, uh, that's the closest uh, character that you can compare her to that, that the zeitgeist of comic people may have heard of is like the movie version of Domino. Um, mm. You know, I, you know, where just crazy shit's yeah. happening and she's Absolutely. there, but, but she is really a Mary Sue where no matter what, and it's, and it's because she believes it will work out. Okay. It does. And she's like is, the anti Billy Bane. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and they are the alpha and the Omega. Yes, they um, are. Yeah. And we, and we meet, um, we meet Molly's brother. We meet her dad. Um, there's a there's a, a galactic leader. There's a le- there's a the legion who's chasing them. It's just a kind of crazy uh, traipse across the universe. So, um, I guess let's start with Billy. Let's break them down. Let's break down the characters. We'll talk about the art. I have to say, um, while Hayden Sherman's art is really fantastic in this, it's really minimalist art. I that's how I would describe it. Um, yeah. He leaves a lot for you to determine. The star of the Jason Wordy's art uh, coloring. Yeah. Boy, oh, boy, I love it. He really steals the show in so, so many ways. Yeah, it is. It's it's um it's almost like they gave him permission to literally color outside the lines. And yeah. I think I think in doing that, um that 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 ble- that that helps the, the yeah the feel of the, the atmosphere is the right word, Steve. Right. He he really makes it feel like um boy you're there. It's really such a it's such a beautiful such a beautiful. It doesn't color. look like a sci-fi book. It really doesn't. But um, in many ways, it isn't, and in many ways, it is. It, it's like that hybrid, like you said. It's the child of so many parents, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. So, talk about Billy. So, uh, Billy Bain is uh, he's the he's the voice of the um, of the galactic leader. Um, <coughs> so there's a, the creator. In this universe, there's a god, and the god is called the creator, and the creator comes to Billy looking like one of his childhood robot toys, which was not clear at first. You're like, when you first see it, you're like, oh, the the, the creator's a, a, a sentient robot. You don't realize he looks later like that's a cross how... between Darth Vader and a stormtrooper. He's just like weird, but then yeah. that makes sense when you find out. Yeah, yeah, that it's that's a figment of Billy's imagination. So Billy is this is this um, kind oh, of like it? a oh. Ooh. Or is it sentient robots come to, come to kill us? Um, so yeah, Billy Billy is a preacher who is it doesn't want to be a preacher anymore uh, because he he lied uh, at God's behest and he's he's bummed about that obviously. Um, so he's just kind of 
and the the, the, the original play the play on of on words in this is fantastic but it's called wasted space and um it's in space and billy is wasted a lot almost so, constantly yeah almost constantly yeah he's drunk or he's stoned or whatever and he's hanging out with the robot who's just having sex with everything that it can have sex with um so what do you think about billy like as a character who is who is he supposed to be who do you who do you relate him to like in our world because i think good science fiction um we're supposed to relate to it in some way right i mean you look at you you when you watch star wars for the first time mm-hmm. you picked a character like it was always han for me but a lot of people yep, said when they were young or chewy yeah well it's hard not to love that guy right but you pick one that you relate to and then as you age it may change it may not change so um or and you kind of see who those people are in the universe so you already said that that dust is your favorite um but let's talk about billy and we'll and dust will dust will be next so tell me about billy like who do you who do you see him as in the universe who's he supposed to represent it's really funny because this whole dichotomy of his character is hilarious because he is like the most successful powerful popular televangelist of all time and god actually does speak to him but he's having a complete crisis of faith because he thinks that god's a huge a-hole and the fact that he sees the creator as his favorite childhood action figure is so telling because as kids those toys are things we worship and things we love and god help any kid who breaks our toys you know and i think that's so clever that he puts this image on that character but He's in a position of huge power. And in many ways, he's like the everyman character, because what would we do in that situation with that responsibility? Would we be forced into taking mind bending drugs to switch ourselves off because it's just too much? And he basically has a terrible tragedy before him. He runs away. And what I love is that in the real world, there are people with real faith who believe with no evidence they have faith they believe because that's what they believe they've never seen a god or talked to god this guy speaks to god and he just doesn't believe in anything except that the universe is screwed and i love that brilliant right and 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 so it's it's one of these situations where i think you're spot on is that he is a person who who um has taken faith and turned it into um into fact like it's 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 an it's a fine line we walk right when when we are faith when we are full of faith and we believe in something religion we um we believe that religion is true but then it's like oh but that guy over there believes a totally different religion than me but he also believes it's true but the interesting look at this is what the, the premise here that our creative team is giving us is that no 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 god is real like that's not up for debate but yet Billy, the one person who can for sure prove it because he knows God is there. He sees God. God talks to him. He's like, man, I don't I don't want to believe in you. So it's like this this choice to to disregard um, facts as opposed to make facts, which is what you know, you could argue some people of faith do. They like believe it so much that they that they choose to blatantly disregard um, the things that are right in front of them because their faith tells them they have to. Um, you know, you're going to you're going to hate gay people because some book written however many hundreds of years ago tells you that. But that same book also tells you. He didn't you know, actually love... say that. It's badly translated. Of course it is. Faith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, of course it is. Um, but it's it's so it's 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 this idea that you there's this willful ignorance of reality. And I see to me, that's who Billy is. He's he's willfully ignoring something that's right in front of him. And he is 
he is his acting is the avatar in my opinion of those people who who are willfully ignorant of what's right in front of them because some some book said so i think it was bill maher years and years ago who said um it always makes him nervous when people um like interpret the constitution figuratively and the bible literally yes and it's and i feel like that's you know that's kind of who billy is in this in this moment yeah yeah, I think it's an interesting take that that um, that that we're 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 acknowledging, right? Or do you think Billy? Because this is the next question: is is Billy crazy? Billy questions his own sanity. We see Billy talking to God, but is that real, or is he mentally ill and he's an unreliable narrator? We've only That's got five. You you've read further than me, so you may have more answers. But based on these five issues, what do you think? That's the thing. If it was just him, I would say, yep, he's off his tree. He just needs to be committed. But then we get Molly Sue. And then we get Legion mm-hmm. and everything else that goes with it. And it becomes far too much of a coincidence. Or is she just tapped into the same wave of crazy he is? We don't know. But the fact that they describe as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which is how God himself is described in the Old Testament. Correct. Um it's deep it's so deep but literally with so much humor and what i love irreverence that you just can't help but be dragged along for the ride and that's what makes it for me because it is a thoughtful book it is quite a wordy book but it never preaches or slams you about the head it says listen this is what this guy believes and doesn't believe you make up your own minds and there's a beautiful conversation between billy and dust where he says I can't believe in fate because it's just too cruel. And Dust says, well, in that case, do you believe in free will and, and we're all doing this to ourselves? He goes, yeah, and that's my point because that's probably even worse. Mm-hmm. And when you put it in those simple black and white terms, that's why I say people who have faith, well, I, 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 I'm in awe of that. Faith is a beautiful, powerful thing. But oftentimes organized religion and Blind faith and fanaticism is the complete opposite. I agree. Yeah, and I think, and and that's who, and Billy is like the warning against that mm-hmm. because he is feeding a frenzy. When you first, and it, when you first meet Billy, um, he's got black hair, and you know he's like this slick kind of Johnny Bravo quaff, even though he's got black hair, and um, he's this like really handsome. Like, successful powerful. right ev- right and everybody worse literally is worshiping him because whatever he says because they know he's the voice and molly sue later calls him the voice and she's the vision of god and he's the voice of the, of the creator he's the voice so because the creator talks to him he tells everybody what to do so even when the creator's like you got to go out there and lie to him he's like well shit i don't want to um but he does it because he understands why he's supposed to do it and all these people like he convinces all these people to believe things and they don't see god but but they um, believe in him and that is again like you just said it's really powerful because that is what happens often it's it's not um you look back at whatever religious experiences you have as a child and that form that forms you for a long time and like my i grew was raised catholic and one of the priests was a alcoholic he was a nice guy but i mean he was clearly an alcoholic you know um that's you know that when you're when you're forming critical thoughts you know in your in your 
um, early teens and late, you know, when I was around 12 and I finally came to the realization about what was happening. And I was like, I've done, this isn't for me. I actually never ended up getting confirmed because I was able to get slippery and get out of it by just, you know, saying, eh. I so feel exactly what you're saying. Yeah. When people say to me, what do you believe? Do you follow religion? I, I tell them quite categorically that I'm a recovering Catholic. That's that's right. There's either like super faithful Catholics or there's recovering Catholics. And I work for Catholics uh, at my university, they're Dominican sisters, um, who are a totally different kind than the Jesuit Catholics who, you know, where I, where I was. I mean, they're still the same under the same tent, but they've got like a little flap between the two. You know, it's like one of those multi-room tents, but they're a totally different setup. But yeah, but it, it is it is amazing though, because, you know, growing up, there's people in my family who had the exact same experience as me who stuck with it and who are like, who have faith. And I'm not trying to shit on that. That's beautiful. No, no, absolutely. Do. Yeah. And I don't think this book does either. Right. But I think it's easy to say, um, if one wants to not take a deep read at it, one could look at it and go, wow, this is really shitting on religion. But it isn't. No, absolutely. It's yeah. actually just holding a magnifying glass up to it and saying, believe what you want to believe and be who you want to be, which I think is probably the strongest message in this book is don't let others make your decisions for you, particularly when it's down to your happiness or the happiness uh, of those around you. Um, sometimes you do have to make a stand that even if God's telling you to do something, if you know that thing is wrong, um, all the terrorists of the world, um, don't do it. That's right. And, and that is... That is, and let's and let's actually. That's a perfect segue into Dust because Dust yes. is a robot who is technically programmed oh, to do things, but but he has free will in a way that you don't expect robots to have, and he is, you know, he so therefore he actually shouldn't have faith because he's not even air quotes real. He doesn't have a soul, but he's the most soulful character of them all. Oh, so, no doubt. Yeah, talk about him, and because I think what you just said about that ability to see what it is and, and live your own truth, as it were, Dust is always living his own truth because he's yeah. got these conflicting things. Like you said, his ability to love and his ability to kill are in his core. Um, you know, talk about him and, and that, that, uh, that, that choice that he's somehow given, uh, you know, he's it's, created. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing that he is. Uh, uh, I do honestly believe that he's a living creature um, with a soul that he's been created by the most imperfect living creatures of all in humanity. But he also has faith. And what he believes in, funnily enough, is Billy. Yeah. And he's there for Billy in ways that honestly would make most deep, famous um, literary romance books, films, whatever else, pain into significance. Because he's literally putting his body on the line to fund Billy's depravity and be with him. But yet he will also turn around at the drop of a dime and go from being the loving companion and protector to boom, you get in my face, your head gets ripped off. And it's, and it's that simple. It's also clever little things like what I love about Michael Maurice's writing is like I said earlier, the tips of the hat, like, you can feel the Star Wars love, the Firefly love, the fact that some of the spaceships are like a cross between a mother box and a ball cube. Um, the way <laughs> dust is like a young, coiffured Dr. Manhattan. Oh, absolutely. And he's forever getting his junk out, but his junk is covered by a smiley, smiley face. face. It's just little things like that that just make me think this, this guy, this writer is 
I just want to hug him because he's been raised and brought up loving the same kind of stuff that I grew up reading and watching. And he's got this brilliant way of sticking it on the page, blowing my mind with it, making me laugh out loud, making me worry for the state of the world and doing it in a clever, clever way. So Dust is, like you said, he's a machine, but he's the most human character in the series. And I adore him. Yeah, because there's a there's a moment um, where they're trying to reprogram him, and there's like Ooh. a trick. There's like a trigger word that Billy has, and when Billy says it, it's a memory, and so it and, and that that shakes him out of the programming, and that's again what makes him the most human character. Is there's a there's love. There's like real, real Absolutely. love. And what's 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 interesting to me is like so here's Billy and he's you know because he's a fuckbot so he'll have sex with men or women or beasts or whatever that's kind of his programming so he's like a p- ultimate pansexual character Absolutely. Uh, but he and Billy don't have a relationship that way they're pals mm. or is it you think they do keep reading oh okay fair enough but but regardless of that though like in this first arc. Um, it, it's irrelevant. Even if they yes, did absolutely. or didn't, it wasn't absolutely. relevant. Like their love is um, real. Is real. Yeah, and more it's, than just physical. Yeah, that's right. It's not. It's none of that matters. It's it's what what uh, what Dust does with his day and night is irrelevant to to Billy. It's just and vice versa. Billy's like you said, Dust is willing to literally put his body on the line to fund Billy's depravity, and um, and that's okay. Even though he was saved from a brothel. Um, he saved him from being a sex worker, and now Billy is. And I think that is such an amazing commentary. To me, you know, so in America, um, sex working is illegal except for in one state. And and in that state, in Nevada, there are brothels that are well-regulated. And like street workers, like sex workers who are like prostitutes on the street, that's illegal in Nevada. But in brothels, it's legal. And I'm one of these people who, like, I've never been able to square the circle where – Okay, so if you pay to have sex with someone, two consenting adults pay to have sex with each other, that's illegal. You should both go to jail. But if two consenting adults get both get paid to have sex and we put it on film and we call it pornography and you can buy – that's totally legal. Exactly. So it's like – so shouldn't you just be like in every time that that happens? Like isn't the way around that law is to be like the man gives the woman, the person who's the customer, gives the, gives the, other, you know, gives the worker – X amount of dollars, and the worker gives that person a dollar back. Now you're both getting paid, so now it's totally legal. Is that is that the way around it? You know, and we're gonna f- oh, the camera broke. We didn't film. It. Like it's just such a silly thing, um, because you know, I, if if one chooses to be a sex worker, one should be. A, that's a choice one is making. I mean, you allow stripping, you allow all these other things, and I think it's such an interesting look at dust, because when he's out of the brothel where he was, and this is the flip on it. When he's out in the wild with Billy, it's his choice. When he was in the brothel, he was being forced. That's the important thing. When it's choice, fine. Yeah. If you're a grown adult and you're doing what you want to do and you're happy doing it, great. It's when you get that horrible, ugly side of the coin where people are forced to do it or doing it because that's the only way they can get themselves out of a hole. That's when it becomes dangerous territory. So, yeah, it's such, like I said, there's so many layers and depths to this for color comic book it's so much more than that 
Yeah, and I think and the interesting thing about that, like that read, like that's just a throwaway line about dust, like, and that is in that moment when when he snaps dust out of his his reverie, his um, reprogramming, and it's with that line about him saving him from the brothel, and they don't show that. You just they say it in one line, but in that one line, it makes everything that because it's towards the end of this initial run, it makes everything that's happened in the previous four issues mean so much more about what dust does because you realize, oh, he's now a free being. He's Billy's freed him. And that's why they love This him. is where I have to shower kudos upon Hayden Sherman. Yeah. Because, yes, it's one little line, but with a few simple horizontal lines, the way this artist can get so much emotion out of a character's face where some actors, you have to focus in on them and zoom in and, and see whatever else, he gets this emotion out of us where you actually see the lights turn on his head and you realize holy shit this is billy i love this guy what the hell am i doing mm-hmm. with just two panels with a change of facial expression i mean the only criticism i've had about this book is some people just don't quite get the art and to me it's this beautiful strength of it because it doesn't look like a steranko or a jack kirby sci-fi blockbuster it looks like um 10 guys have rolled out of a bar and <laughs> or whatever they want onto a page but that's what makes it real and gritty and earthy and lived in for me and i, I honestly cannot praise uh, hayden sherman enough and like i said uh, jason Worley's colors just add even more depth and, and flavor to it it's brilliant yeah, i think that that see it i think that's where the minimalist um art of hayden's that's... through the the bigger when it's a, when it's a panel where there's a lot of stuff on it there's the details are a little sketchy and so then when he wants to do something powerful yeah. like that when there's an emotional thing happening and he gets Sweet. right in there like when rex and i don't you know we, we can spoil things we don't want to give too much away because we want people to to read this comic we don't oh, want to give too much away. for Everybody sure read this comic. there are some moments molly's brother is called rex and he's a giant douche um and <laughs> pretty much but, yeah but there are a few moments of tight you know, in like pan in kind of um, images of Rex that that again really work just in that same way that you're describing because the rest of the time he's kind of pulled out and it's just kind of he's in this band of misfits. He looks like you know they're like a Sex Pistols rejects cover band and um, and then when you get in tight you're like oh shit man that's that's the real deal and um, and I think that's why it works so well in the scene that you're describing as well and and he kind of waited like he kept his powder dry until almost the end and you're like. Oh, because you've loved these characters for all these issues, and now it all comes through. I think that's I think that's really that's that's such a keen insight. I'm, I, I agree. Yeah. His use of body language and facial expressions, honestly, it's amongst the best in comics, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. People who I just think he's great, and it's also like little scenes where a character says something and another character reacts, and it's beautiful little character moments like that that again elevate this book above just your standard space opera fair it's it's a story about people more than anything else and that's what i love about it well i think that's why it is um i think when you said early it's like firefly a little and i agree i think it is more like firefly and and you know and, and they call they themselves compare it to preacher and you do have that same trilogy of mouth yeah yeah um and and you know if you look at the three at the three leads in Preacher and you look at the three leads here, um, they're very similar. You know, and it was again like you said, it was a nod, like the fact that Dust is blue and that 
they cover his junk with the with the comedian smiley face and that um you know there's this trilogy there's like a trinity as it were because if you're going to do religious christianity you have to have a trinity and in preacher you have a trinity and you have that again here um um and and the other character dust is inhuman just like in uh preacher he's a vampire so i think it was really again a big hug. If you don't want to see it, you don't have to see it. It's fine. But if you if you're if you're a comic nerd and you've read Preacher, you're like, oh, and it doesn't feel like it's cheap. He's not ripping it off. He's oh no, it's he's a giving it a homage. Kiss. It's yeah. not a rip off. It's literally this guy showing. I love this, and he even name drops Garth Ennis, the writer yeah. of Preacher, as a, a an evil world or, or race at some point during the book as well. And there's little things like that that just I just love that stuff. Yeah. It fanboys so me out. Well, it is, and it yeah. This is a this is a fanboy book. This is for sure a book by comic people for comic people. Um, but but truly, if you are a person who is a thinker and you like you like heavy reading, you like to be challenged. This is this is it's fun. You'll laugh, but it is definitely even if you miss all the comic references, there's so many um, challenges there. And I think to me the most. While, while I agree with you, Dust is the best character, I think the most challenging character is Molly. Molly Sue, um, yeah. who is um, a pawn. She's, again, talk about free will. The difference between her and Dust, um, Dust is given free will, and he uses it, and he is the most human of them all. And Molly Sue's um, the daughter of, a, of this evangelical preacher, Jacob, who's kind of filled the void that Billy left, but where Billy was doing it with all of his heart, he's an evil prick. Jacob is. Um, he is the worst kind of televangelist that you see and hear about. Absolutely. Yeah. In America right now, there's a Jim. Do you have ever heard of Jim Baker? I haven't. No. That's good. Be, be happy about uh, he's actually spent time in prison. He's a televangelist for fraud. And he just was given a cease and desist order because on his stupid show, one of his because he's back now out of prison and he's Jesus loves him again. Um, he was trying to get people to buy. Uh, silver tablets to or sil- liquid col- colloidal silver to drink because it'll cure coronavirus. Unbelievable! Oh yeah, and it's wow. if, if it's on this guy's show and you believe in him, then you're gonna and you know he, why would he lie? Jesus loves him, and it's just so like that's who Jacob reminds me of is that kind of that kind of just praise on the weak yes. and Molly Sue. So. Oh God, I love her, but she is also the most. Um, you know, you talk both about- want to hug her and give her a slap at the same time, don't you? That's very well. That's the character. Yeah, <laughs> because so she's and and this is it's pretty clear to us, but it's not until the end um, that it's clear to her. So she is she is. There's a lot going on. So Jacob is a big fat white guy, and Rex is a skinny little punk white guy, and Molly Sue is a is you know she she's an african-american girl we don't know how old she is but she has literally been used by jacob because she's the vision and she has the ability to um see people's future and um she's literally been a slave and now she's free and so there's again they're just like hey poke 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 it was such a deliberate choice to make her be an african-american character um boy it there's Again, that's when you want to hug. You just want to protect her, and but then she's also because, because she's, she's such- so heartbroken about um, her father's eventual fate, which again we won't spoil for, for readers. But it's when she 
then realizes well actually was he my father in the first place and she still didn't quite get it because he raised her and even though yes he used her psychic powers for personal financial gain there didn't seem to be any abuse or neglect in, in the relationship but he did use her for himself and his own means and she was freed but because she's actually probably the most decent human being out of the three of them mm-hmm. she actually gives a damn and that that's it's beautiful she these characters are so layered because even though like sometimes you just want to say oh molly please really wake up and smell the coffee the little time you think god actually i wish i could see the world through her eyes and that's oh it's brilliant absolutely it is, brilliant it, yeah because not only is she a mally sue or she, her name is mally sue not only is she a mary sue where wherever whatever situation it is she does the thing that solves the problem and so people like people don't like that necessarily people um think that's cheap and i don't know and again but for whatever reason when it's domino people love it and think it's funny and i just think again it's like a nod to that that's all domino is is she's just a you know a sexy mary sue that's all she is right so um and molly is literally called molly sue just to like poke you about it but also she's also pollyanna she also truly believes now in this universe, the saying, the saying of the, of the, um, the, well, is it's from, it's not the galactic leader who says it's actually the creator, creator who all will yes, be well. It's the religious. Yeah, yeah. All will be well is their kind of, uh, like peace be with you saying, and she believes it. She believes all will be well. And it's like, again, her faith that all will be well, that I think is what makes her a Mary Sue that makes them get through it all. And again, the scene when they're running and they, and this is where, Again, you talked about the artist's skill. These are really tiny panels. This could have been like, if this had been done in a, in a major comic, there's a chase scene. It would have been an entire book with no words where every single one of these was a splash page. Yeah. And they took 19 splash pages and put them on one page. And it is it is beautifully done. I, I can't imagine the skill that Hayden has to pull that off. I mean, I'm sure he drew it very large and they shrunk it down. But it's also... It wouldn't have happened without her. And and it all is absurd. Like they jump off a building and they do all this and everything's fine because she believes all will be well. It's it's so amazing. And do you not think that that scene, like you said, that, that's one of my favorite scenes from the first five issue run. Damn, I'd love to see that on film. Oh, that is the most. I film. would love to see that on film. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see. I don't know who. I mean, TMC did Preacher, which I was really shocked at, but Seth Rogen paid for that. Like, he was the executive producer and, and the creative force behind that. So I, there would need to be somebody of his kind of clout to get something like this on film because this is um, – this isn't – this is an homage to Preacher, but it's, like, cranked up a little, even, I think, a little bit higher um, just with, you know – I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I guess the Preacher show was, t- was c- considered tame compared to the comic stranger things have happened though i i honestly yeah. do feel that it could happen particularly with something as beautifully written as this because i don't know if you know uh, about what comics they've got um a, a movie in the works uh, with heathen and okay. an actual sci-fi tv series with vagrant queen another one of their brilliant brilliant books so nice. i am not going to lose hope i actually think that um michael Morisi's uh, wasted space could appear appearing on screens well, sooner it- rather than later it would have to be a show. Like I wouldn't want this to be a movie. I wouldn't want to rush through this. I would want to give this the the space that it deserves um, to breathe. And I, I think that's where the wasted space that it deserves. The yes. waste. Excuse me. 
Yes. I'm sorry. No, I love that. I, hey, let's we're dads. Let's pun it up. Um, here's the line that that stood out to me, and I've written it down, and it's it's something that Billy says, and this it's just encapsulating everything. Um, we still have so much to talk about, but this is we haven't talked about Legion, um, but I think this is this line is a, is a way into Legion. Uh, Billy says, "You fucks are just like everyone else. You want your point of view to be the only point of view." Oh my gosh. Right. I mean, wasn't that, that's like a kick that's in the ball. Twitter in one sentence, isn't it? For sure. Yes, <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, so it's interesting that he's saying this to Rex's band of idiots, the um, ass society. I love that so much. <laughs> and I panned the living heck out of that in my review for the issue. The fact that you've got a, a, an anarchist, what was it called? It's the Anarchist, anarchist Society, society Syndicate. syndicate. Yeah. Um, and they're literally are a bunch of asses, of asses and that yeah. is just it, it's deep but so blatant that you just gotta love it <laughs> yeah it was right on the nose it was so out there because the whole time they don't start saying ass until like issue four but it's there for you to see if you're paying attention oh god it's so great but so that's what billy says to them but i also think that can also be said of legion so legion is this this kind of oh, yeah. voltron beast of these other um kind of uh, precogs who see the universe and they they all come together to um, know the universe is ending and so Legion who's this giant I, like I like I don't even know what you would describe him as he's just a giant hulking um, religious zealot he's a huge stomping um, people alien crushing monster who's the amalgamation of all these precogs in one body he's like at the hive mind of this this alien race and he also seems to be linked to the creator in some way but um in which way becomes clear at the end of issue five and you left thinking what what <laughs> right i know it's crazy and uh, but but it's interesting because that line you fuck you just like everyone else you want your point of view to be the only point of view legion who who genuinely like whereas um, Rex and the asses, their their mission is nefarious, but Legion's Legion is righteous, right? Legion mm-hmm. Legion's goal um, is to, to to stop the Alpha and Omega from getting together and from doing what their their task is. There's a there's a um, you know the MacGuffin in this first arc. I, I think we'll just leave for readers to find out what the what the mission that they're on and how it is that Molly Sue finds. Billy in the first place and and why, you know, what, what their goal is. I don't want to, and you know, how this is all connected. I don't want to give too much of that away. It's given away early on in the books, but you should, you should read that yourself. But, but Legion is there to try to stop them from getting to their MacGuffin-y ending to their plot point. But he feels like he is 100% righteous and he's set up to be a villain, but I actually don't think of him as a villain. I think of him as, um, as something. Yeah, as somebody who, right, who he believes in what he believes in and he truly cares. Um, he seems, because he's stopping our heroes, um, yes. we think of him as a villain. But I don't know, what do you, what did you think of, of Legion? Do you think he's more complex than he seems? A, he looks awesome. That whole design is so simple, sleek, and elegant, and he's huge. But what I really love about this character, he will step on you and rip off your spine which Just as does. soon as look at you, he, he does. He literally does. <laughs> but amazing. yet, he's always so polite. Like, oh, please don't speak to me that way. Um, it's not very Watch nice. Watch your I language. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think 
this is incredible. <laughs> it's just that complete um, opposite end of the spectrum. He's a huge, giant, killing machine, but he just wants a little bit of respect. And at the end of the day, like you said, he's cutting a swathe of destruction, but to his mind, for the correct reasons. And again, that says so much about the state of this earth and religion and politics and and whatever else goes with it and that's clever it's really really clever yeah and i think i feel like we're not supposed to necessarily hate legion and i think that was really smart of of the of morsi here because it's like he's not it's a tough line to balance it isn't it? is it is like you're supposed to like billy but billy is an asshole completely you're supposed to side with him and you do i'm not saying you don't but you can get behind legion like you know legion's whole life uh you know that this is legion's only purpose and so once legion is activated it's not like he can say nah, i'm just gonna go you know have a coffee I, he's like no i've got this one thing that i have to do and he's so driven and and we reward this kind of behavior in other places, like somebody who who is a workaholic who puts in 20 hours a day and and only does this one thing for success. And, you know, it's like, well, I've never seen my children's uh, the inside of my children's school, but, you know, they have really nice clothes because I work so hard. And people are like, yeah, you're awesome because you provide for your family, you know, like you're so driven. But really, there, there's a detriment there. So it's like such a weird line with Legion because it's like, man, you've got to think for yourself here but you also understand that he can't he doesn't have an op he doesn't have that option because he feels like this is his mission um and, there, and this and again he, this ties into the conversation we're having earlier that that dustin and billy had about free will does legion have free will should we feel exactly. is, is legion actually a tragic character mm -hmm. i and feel like he is yeah absolutely and that's where you get that lovely thing as well is how far separated are having drive and commitment to being completely anal and OCD how much of that is for the right reasons and for the good of everything or just because that's the only way you know how to act and that's why he is actually a sympathetic character and you'd think that well this is the villain he's out to kill the people who are the main stars of the show but he's doing it for the right reasons as part of the reason I can't hate Russell Gull, he's doing completely horrible, evil things, but for the good of the world. Is he a villain or is he just uh, 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 someone who's got a mission and to him the ends justify the means? So depth. I mean, that's the, the other thing that I keep coming back to with this series. These are not two-dimensional cardboard cutout characters. This is a comic book that I think about minutes, hours, days after I've shut the covers and gone. And when you reach book two, you're going to, I know for a fact you're going to message me and call me and say, Steve, what did I just read? <laughs> nice. Damn. Um, yeah, it's just texture. I love texture. I don't like... We talk about um, Image Comics recently. Yeah. And how in the 90s they were literally pioneered by people who wanted to step away from the big two and do their own thing. But a lot of that stuff was so much style over substance. The writing was atrocious, but it looked great. Was and the characters had great premises yeah this is the opposite in places like you said sometimes our looks and i've put that yeah, in air quotes. yeah looks um scrappy or or not details but then when you look deeper that's on purpose a lot of that peripheral stuff isn't important when you get to the heart of the matter that's when the art 
shines. It jumps off the page. And the writing, yes, it's a verbose book. It's not quite Chris Claim on X-Men. Like, no, <laughs> God, no. In yeah. other issues, but yeah. it's wordy. And again, Jim Campbell, the letterer, I've got to give kudos oh, to because... He's hand-doing uh, hand all that. He's amazing. And there's a lot uh, to fit in in some of those pages. He's got a lot to do. It's dialogue heavy. I can't rate this book. I mean, is it perfect? No, but nothing is. But the way it just does something different, as most vault titles do. What I love about vault comics, they haven't got thousands of books out there. But every book they've got out there is quality. And when you think that Michael Maurice is also the guy who co-wrote Batman 66 Archie, He's written for DC. He's written for mm-hmm. Marvel. He's done Detective Comics. He's done Nightwing. Um, he's working for Vault. Ram V, another amazing writer. He's just taken over Justice League Dark for DC. Mm-hmm. He's writing these Savage Shores. Um, watch this guy. I promise you he's going to be a superstar. And Chris Sabela, another brilliant artist, writer artist, um, who's working for Vault. Vault are tapping these talents and just letting them go nuts. And that's what I love, letting the creators create and while Image, in some extent, let them go too far, and a lot of it was nonsense, some great things came out of it. But with Vault, it's definitely a, a case of quality over quantity, and I, I adore that. Yeah, I think that Vault is... is um, what I like about what they're doing and their mission statement is a lot like um, what I think is happening in uh, or like i think what the original intent of image was i think you're right there is that we want to own our own stuff we want to have it but it but they they were again still in the 90s they were still trying to compete with superhero comics where but image now if you look at image titles now i mean the mark mark sylvester's fantastic oh i know mark sylvester's top cow line Brian Edward Hill is the is overseeing that postal is over there in top cow and Brian writes that and i think Brian is one of the best writers working. Best I'm a comic. huge Brian Hill fan. He's My a lovely, God. lovely guy. He is an amazing guy, and um, he's honestly, if you, you know, you're a real positive guy, Steve. And I, I don't know if you follow, follow Brian on Twitter, but that is like one of the most. That's what I quoted. That you want to feel good about yourself. Go, Brian will make you feel good about yourself. It was like last week. I was just kind of having a shitty day, and it was like he had just tweeted a picture of himself, like staring right at you, like a selfie, and he's like, "Hey, here's me looking at you, saying you did okay today." And you're like, "God damn it, man, that was awesome." Um, but what he, but it's interesting because what he writes is real dark stuff. He does Angel, he does Batman and the Outsiders, he does, um, uh, uh, he does Postal, man, and Postal is deliver that awesome book, stuff. Oh my god! But so it's like he he is such a great writer, and and he's. And really, if Postal could be seen as kind of, and we're going to do that eventually on here. I'm going to do that. So I really think what 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 you see over at Image is is a lot of these like really thoughtful, introspective things. And Vault is kind of the the is is the natural progression of that. It's a place where people who who all these big names, you know, maybe going to Top Cow or going to Image is more of a pain in the ass now than it used to be. And so Vault, if you if you've got the skills and you're willing to put literally put your name on it. They're gonna let you. They're gonna let you get it out there, and it's an, an excellent place for people to kind of dabble in side projects, um, as opposed to, you know, you make a commitment to DC to write Batman and the Outsiders. You're that's not. You're not. They're not hiring you for six issues, right? Exactly. You know, they're bringing exactly you in, and this allows you to yeah. tell these kind of one-off stories. It's like, you know, oh, this is my side project. I'm in this band. 
but I really want to do this mm. other thing that's totally different from this thing. So the only way I can do that is to create a different band because if my band, like I'm a big Weezer fan and this sounds, let me go down this rabbit hole with you. So I love Weezer and I oh, love sure. everything. I love everything about Weezer. I'm a firm believer that the first album, the blue album is a masterpiece, but I also still really liked the black album that just came out. They're totally different, but they're also 25 years older than they were. I, if I'm, if I went back 25 years to me, 25 years ago, doofus, I'm not this same. I'm, you know, I'm not this same person. So, so to make the argument that, um, you have to stay exactly the same. That's silly. So to me, Weezer's just a band that has just done its own side projects as Weezer. Every album they come out and they're like, we're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to try something a little bit different. And it pisses fans off. But to me, that makes them way more depth, that more, more textured. But in the comic book realm, DC Comics would never allow this to come out. Even in DC Dark, they couldn't touch this book. They, they one of the, you know, um, I'm going to do a uh, show on um, Second Coming in a few weeks um, with Mike Burton. Um, right book. And it, yeah, it's a great book. But DC let that one go because they, it was too hot. So there's no way. I mean, th- you know, they had to let the boys go, left DC mm-hmm. for, for Dynamite. But they, you know, they did allow Preacher to happen in its Vertigo title. Because Vertigo. That still blows my mind. I can't believe Preacher ever happened, uh, especially in DC. I think that was when people, it was pre-internet still. So people didn't know that Vertigo was DC. I think that's how they got away with it. They had their own managing editor. Karen was the managing editor. And and unless you knew, unless you were a nerd like us, it literally said Vertigo. And, that's and, why they did it. Because yeah. first 45, 46 issues of Sandman, so more than half its run, were DC. Yeah. But because it was breaking barriers, bending convention, and becoming its own thing, um, they launched Vertigo around it. And what came out of that? Constantine Preacher was just magic. Right. Uh, that's what Vault are doing right now for yeah. the twenty first century. Yeah, and they're and they're and they're that place, they're that they're that side project. So again, there's very few there's there's not a lot of people who again who who are willing to do side projects inside their own band. You want to go over here because the fans get mad. And so so for us, we are going to read Vault Comics and we're going to be like, oh, this is a place where these really talented writers can go to tell stories that the big two are now even the big three with Image. They wouldn't even touch like Top Cow, like Top Cow is technically Image, but maybe you could stick something like this in there. Although Pretty Violent, which is one we did, Derek and I did. That's an image. That's a straight image title. That's pretty dark. That's <laughs> that's an interesting story. And then you um, get the other side of the spectrum where the Wildstorm universe has actually been integrated into DC completely. Is, so amazing. Right, it is amazing. And that's because Jim Jim owned that. That was the cool thing, right? And the cool thing about Vault is while Vault is putting this out, these these guys own this. This is theirs. If they wanted to take it to a, if one of the bigger companies said, Hey, we wanna do this, they could. I don't think they would, because I think um Vault has given them an, a lovely um platform here um and and ahoy comics uh is doing something similar now right um, oh great stuff at ahoy and i love what i love about ahoy um is they put those uh short stories in the back you know it's just such a great time to to be a comic fan hill house comics have started doing as well for dc hill, hill house, house yeah. yeah i i i've gone back and forth on whether or not i'm ever going to cover hill house on the show because it is it is it's another expense i didn't need because they're all so damn good they're so good, but I just—is Hill House an indie comic or is it a DC dark comic? Yes. I don't, 
you consider it's an indie it, comic. Yeah, I think it without is without a shadow of a doubt. Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Um, just look at the titles. But um, what I'll say is, yeah, sorry, digressed a little bit. No, no, no. Yeah. It was beautiful. I love <laughs> your enthusiasm is infectious. What I love about your show, Tony, you love these comics the same way I do, and that yeah. is gorgeous to hear and to experience. And that's why I love your show. Thanks. But I have to say about Vault. Yeah. What you said brilliantly was um, let these artists show this other side of them. And yeah, they're kind of side projects, but they don't feel like it because there's so much art, passion and commitment. And like you say, um, Dave Grohl wasn't just the drummer in Nirvana. Right. Right. Side project has been way more successful than Nirvana ever was. There you go. So the fact you're letting these talents share their vision with us and I just find it sad that so few people will pick up an indie book. They're just stuck um, down the Marvel and DC. I mean, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I do love Marvel and DC passionately. I've grown up with them. They're part of my DNA. But there's so much great stuff out there that, like this book, isn't just an entertainment you read for 10 minutes, bag and put away. It resonates. It tells you more. It shines a mirror to society and stuff like that. Um, Michael Cray by again Brian. Yeah, yeah, Michael Cray, man. Awesome. Um, we need these books out there. Yeah. This is what shows people listen, Marvel Cinematic Universe, DC movies, the Arrowverse shows, that isn't everything comics is about. There's so much wealth, richness, and passion out there ready to pick, pluck. Just go out, take a chance. The first cover you see that speaks to you, go to the counter, buy it, take it home, and read it. Yeah, and, that's what I and, about. and what and I think and I, what I would recommend too. There's a couple of things that I would say to to folks um, to get to get to this stuff is, look, you can do a for five bucks. You could get a an, a month of Comicsology Unlimited, and you can actually get it for free. Like if you sign up, you can get it free. So go get Comicsology Unlimited for a month for free, and don't just. I mean, it's not the most current issues, but you know these back issues are in there. So just go take a peek. Comicsology does like free comic books every month. Just go check that out and and poke around. One of the ways that I get a lot of comics is I get them the the trades from my public library. Um, there's a there's a, a thing called Hoopla Digital where you can download oh, comics there. Love them. Yeah, and so I mean, to me, there's so many places where these stories are out there, and you don't have to just if you're like a little intimidated, you're like, well, I don't really want to go. I'm not. I don't understand comic culture. I don't want to go to a con. Hey, man, this this book isn't for that. I mean, to me, like this when you know. When I would go to cons back in the, you know, in the late 80s, um, mid mid and late 80s when I was in in high school, um, you know, there would be like 15 tables set up and it was like a guy trying to like hawk his own comic book. And the the one that comes out uh, next Friday actually is a guy called Kyle Stuck and he's got ominous media and he's got his own comic that he does called Evil Cast and it's free on his website. And um, he's such a great guy and he's like really like it's the passion there and the love is there. And it's like, you know, it's just because, uh, you know, so, so comics, comics tell these beautiful stories and, and, you know, I, you don't have to just, this is expensive. three ninety nine a pop for these. If you can't afford that, wait till it comes out and spend 10 bucks on the whole thing or, you know, check them out on these other platforms. My hope again, with the show, is Straight paperbacks. Read 
paperbacks are a gift from the heavens because yeah, when we were kids can, they didn't exist oh damn i wish they did because they're literally like the netflix of comic books right you just if you hear out. about a great series you no longer have to scour uh, the back issue bins and go searching nationwide for the issue you've missed if it's a good comic or if it's a comic that's got the support of the publishers behind it i never in a million years when i first started reading this series issue one blew my mind and when i heard it's so successful from a brand new indie company that's going to second, third printing. They're going to continue it and make it an ongoing. And then they collected trade paperbacks. I thought, awesome. I'm not big enough to think that I was part of that, but I do like to think I helped, particularly in the UK, where a couple of my comic book stores didn't even carry Vault Comics, but they do now. Yeah. So. Well, no, I think that that's important because you're because not only do you you know you're coming on here to talk about it and you you tweet about it all the time and your website talks about it and you gave them a platform um, and that's that's all we can ask, right? It's like um, what my episode three of this show I had these this guy Thanos um, who had a, a nonfiction Kickstarter comic that about beautiful borders. Isn't, oh, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. yeah. So and you know and so and again. I have no idea, but he was on the show and they had like 80 some. And by the time they ended up getting, they, they met their goal six days later and they got 20 more people. And, you know, Thanos had said he, he thought a lot of it came from just people listening to the show. So let's hope, but you know, that's what this show is about is like to, we're going to talk, we talked about spawn, you know, we're going to talk about the big ones that don't need our support, but I also want to talk about the ones that are like this. If you hadn't said to me when I, when I sent you the message and I'm like, Steve, I'm doing the show. What do you want to do? You, I mean, like within 30 seconds, you were like, we're doing this wasted space vault. I didn't, I hadn't heard of it. I can't thank you enough for telling me about it. And I'm, thank hooked. You, I'm you. in, I'm in forever. I know we didn't even get to everything, but because we're going to do, um, we're going to come back and do arc two and arc three, you know, um, and continue on. We'll just like maybe every six months or so we'll come back and we'll do another run on another deep look at, at the next run. Are you cool with that? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I could sing we, the pages of this book forever. Yeah, because we didn't really even get into any of the political talk. We just focused on the religion stuff. So maybe in the Actually, next one, can we? Politics. I just want to talk about Please. the Galactic Leader. Yeah, bring And it. again, Michael Morisi's genius use of words. Yes. The Intergalactic Leader in this story Devil is called Devilous Yam, which yeah. makes me think... Of an evil orange carbohydrate. Huh. And if that doesn't describe your president, I don't know what does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I had to get that out there. No, I had to. Amazing. I know. And I'm just mad at myself for not. So I'm glad I wrapped. I'm glad I brought it back to that. Because, well, to me, too, there's one thing. And this is where I think issue, the second run will go. So we'll talk about this in a few months down the line when we talk about the second run. Um to me, like if you had to, if there was one thing, if I could only have one book to take onto an island, it would be um, the His Dark Material. Well, it'd be, I would be the Golden Compass. You guys oh, called it. Northern I love those books. Now, His Dark Materials is a trilogy. Is maybe like the, the closest thing to a perfect trilogy. There's one of my favorite series of all time. It, it wanes in the third book. I'm not a big fan of of Mary. Um, and 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 really, even in the second book. It's a, it's obviously the second book is Will's book. And I, Lyra Silvertongue is one of my all time favorite characters that ever has existed. Um, and and Pan Lyman. Oh God. I love Pan. I know. So, but this, there's, there's a nod to that too, right? The way that this first arc ends, um, I wrote down as soon as I was done, I'm like, Oh, they're giving Philip Pullman a big hug here. So I'm hopeful that oh, the, yeah. the second 
run is a is a big hug to his dark materials and the fact that dust's name is dust um is also a nod to to his dark materials um so i'm really excited to come back and do a second run with you on this because i see again we've Where talked sign well right now it's done it's official stamp <laughs> we'll just have to again look at our schedules and line those up um yeah this was this was i can't i can't thank you and tell your wife thank you for giving you Giving giving me to you oh, for an hour or so here. Angel, best human yeah. being on earth. I'm yeah. saying that after 31 years together as well, and she's not standing behind me. Yeah, no, right, <laughs> I know. See. I can see. Yeah, <laughs> no, I really just tell her things because I know this was kind of you guys had a lot going on this weekend and and everything. So I really appreciate the time. And um, thanks so for last, inviting me. Thank for, you for sure. So the last question before I let you plug all of your uh, many things. I have said Max Byrne is maybe the hardest working man in comics, but you may be like one A 1A, um, to Maxie. But um, so here's the final question that I ask people on the show. Um, there's one person, whether it's a person you can name or a type of person that you can give wasted space, this first run of wasted space to, to whom do you hand it? Be like, here, you need, besides me, you already did it to me. So you can't say me. Who is, who, to whom do you give this? I'm very proud in the fact that apart from one or two, everyone I've recommended this book to has loved it. And I use the tagline, listen, buy this book. If you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. Yeah. And so wow. far, no one has taken that claim. I'd honestly give this to anybody who is struggling with faith, who's struggling with their identity, not knowing exactly which path they want to take, which path they want to lead. Because like you said, um, this book covers religion, politics, pansexuality, and everyone is equal. No one's talked down to. Um, Dust is a sex worker and an assassin, but yet he is the most human and lovable character in the series. This is the kind of book I want to give to somebody aged between 15 and 35 who still doesn't quite know who they really are, who they want to be. Honestly, I'll give this book to anyone who wants to read something that's going to give them a little bit more than just throwaway entertainment. That, that's, that's the long and short of it. Really. I agree. I think that's an excellent choice. Because, yeah, this is – you mentioned it earlier that this book lives with you. And, I, you know, when you finish it, you think about it for a while and you're like, oh, wait, wait, what was that line? And I need to go back. And like I said, I wrote certain things, certain, it's li- certain lines It's incredibly quotable, down. isn't it? Oh my God, it is. And it's, and, and there's something about something that's heavily quotable. It's because it's good. It's because it resonates. It's not just because it's silly. Um, and it is, it is really, it is a thoughtful book for people who, who are full of doubt, who are full of, um, questions, who are full of angst. There's somebody, you will relate to somebody in this book. And honestly, everybody, everybody knows a Rex. Everybody has a Rex in their life. Molly's brother Rex, who's who is the giant douchebag and head of ass, and and how, how I, lo- I mean I love that that's what he is, but how do you deal with like I think um, it's really important to see that that you know there's toxic people in your life and it is not your fault you know it's not Molly Sue feels guilt like feels bad she's like oh shit that's my brother and and she feels so bad and so I think that, that you know I just think it, it's really such a humanizing book for it being a space opera I think the best space operas focus on characters and not on space um you know I think you know where Star Trek worked were the episodes where it was like claustrophobic episodes where it didn't work where it was like 
galaxy words and you know and it like it got too sciencey a little bit like the best star trek episodes were the were the more character driven ones and the less you know intergalactic travel on the edge of forever right he just yeah for sure Ah, so good so let's tell everyone in the world where this where the i don't know i already have given max this title but you do a lot too because you you edit Dark Knight News and you've got your own website. Tell everybody where everybody can find you, El Stevo, so they can follow all of your delightful things. And I will obviously link in the show notes. Well, Max Byrne is a legend amongst men, uh, one of my best friends and a truly terrific guy. So he deserves kudos. And the fact he's got his own show on this network as well, it's about damn time. I'm going to be on there. We're going to do yeah, God Loves Me and Kills. Yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? um we're toying between a few ideas at the moment because because i am just nerd um fauna i'm just like more comics my wife thinks i've got too many that to me is an oxymoron but <laughs> hey um that's that's just my thing yeah. uh, whatever he wants to talk about i've probably got it or i've read it or um, yeah. can get it easily so um where you can find me because i've been doing this for a long time um easiest way is just simply open up Google or your search engine of choice and type in either Steve J Ray or Fantastic Universes and that'll take you to my site, which is a fan site, literally about everything, not just DC, not just Marvel, everything, wrestling, music, uh, movies, everything in between TV. And of course, I'm editor in chief of Dark Knight News, which is the sister site to our other home DC Comics News. Uh, but I also do a hell of a lot of writing. I've just published my 600th article for DC and DKN. Um, thank you. How about you? I, I, I love what I do and it's allowed me so many possibilities when you can say that you can talk to your comic book heroes interview them and feel their enthusiasm and how much they love what they do Michael Morisi um, speaking to him and interviewing him for Dark Knight News is what led me to read Wasted Space for that I'm eternally grateful and even though he sends me review copies before they release I will go out and buy this book and honestly I recommend everyone out there to go out and buy this book and Twitter Follow me at L Stevo, E L underscore S T E E V O. But those uh, search engine links will take you straight to all my DC Comics new stuff, all my Dark Knight new stuff, comic book roundup, and everything else in between. Excellent. Oh my God. That is fantastic. Nice. Gonna, I, like, I, I like what you did there. Thank you. You're, <laughs> puns. All right. Well, I'm at Tricycle Boombox, and we're actually going to end with a little Steve Miller band. Um, I always try to end with the song. Yes. Can you guess what song? Um, the Joker. Some people oh, call me the Space Cowboy. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Some I mean, call I feel the gangster like of love. Dust is there too. Dust Fantastic. is there too. You got it. Yeah. So that's what we'll end with. We're gonna end with a little Steve Miller band. So thanks everyone. Uh, follow me at Tricycle Boombox. Uh, go to my website arforina.com. Uh, you can see some of my podcast stuff and other writing that I do. And um, we will see you everybody next time. Thanks again. Bye bye. Some people call me the space cowboy. Call me the gangster of love Some people call me Maurice Cause I speak of the pompatists of love People talk about me, baby Say I'm doing you wrong, doing you wrong Don't you worry, baby, don't